0: Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening podcast, a place of honest and authentic conversations. In this week's episode, we conclude the conversation we were having with Christine about A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. So if you haven't listened to the first part, make sure that you go back and listen to it before you jump into this episode. I hope you'll find the last part of this discussion as engaging and thought-provoking as we did. What this part of the conversation has reminded me of that also really spoke to me is what Tolly talks about in terms of suffering mm-hmm. and about how suffering is as a result of the way that we perceive things. Christine, you touched on this earlier when you said what happens if we lose these things tomorrow? We lose our job. Well, for most people a huge piece of your identity is going to go with that. When you meet somebody new for the first time, one of the first questions that comes up, what do you do for work? And People sometimes very proudly or maybe sheepishly, depending on the type of job you have and the societal prestige that comes with that. I think for us working in healthcare, we probably talk about that quite confidently, right? And I think we're used to having people say, oh, that's amazing. Like, I could never do that work. Like, really kudos to you. We really need people like you. And what does that do? Well, for myself anyways, it feeds the ego, right? <laughs> right? And I And I learned early on that, wow, this is actually something that that I can use. But then that's where for myself anyways, I started falling into that danger. And that's why what Tolly says about how that suffering comes when we use or when we allow the ego to encapsulate all these different forms and all of these different things that we then put into this box of me. And that's the danger of that. And I've seen that in my life in so many different ways where something happens that I believe is not in alignment with the vision that I have, or that is not the way that I foresaw things going. And what happens then? I have a bad attitude about that, which mm-hmm. has this whole host of cascading effects. It affects the way that I see myself, which then affects the way that I see others. It affects the way that I treat others, and leads me to act in a suboptimal way that is not in alignment with who I want to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, it brings up so many things to just think about. Personally, though, I I just think about two things. One is, as you mentioned, Christine, about being objective about things and not trying to take as much subjectivity out of life as you can, which is incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. Because I think as humans, by nature, we're emotional beings. We're driven by our emotions. And in many ways, keeping control of those emotions can be one of the most daunting things. There's tons of books that talk about your emotions. We've briefly touched on stoicism and how that has been negatively perceived as people that are emotionless. So, finding again that balance, I totally agree with you. It's not a 50-50. I actually think that it's always moving. And you have to add and remove from one side to the other to keep on balancing it. I don't necessarily think it's just a static thing, and I think we probably all believe that. Mm. You don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would love to hear about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, The reason why I believe that is in my life, I found that nothing has been static. Relationships evolve. My relationships with my environment evolves. My development will always continue to hopefully evolve. But even after just reading this book, there are things that I believed that were driving me towards a place that I want or I desire to be in that no longer need to be there. And it's all about perspectives. Before we get too sidetracked from that, I want to hear your thoughts.
2: Well, there are a couple of things I want to say. Well, I'll answer your question first, Uriel. I don't think it's 50 50. I think, like I said before, although things around us change constantly, we never change. We are just us. And that has nothing to do with what we put as important or not important in any given time of our lives. That is a thought process. That's not who we are. I think. The less grounded and the less we are aware of who we are as life forces and the authentic self, our brains are always going to be shifting. That doesn't mean that we change. We never change. I think the roles that we play will change. I think the thoughts that go through our heads will change. How we perceive things will change. But who we are fundamentally will never change. What makes you say that? Because I think that... I think that we are essentially the same thing, which is energy.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: We are energy beings. And I don't know if you want to call it the soul, but we are a soul. But I think the way that it is created is the way it will always be. I think that is something that nothing will ever change. I think our minds are so influenced by what's going on around us. That we think we change, but I don't think we do. I think over time we can become a lot more alive, awakened, and awakened. I know it's such a a buzzword, but awakened literally means like I'm awake. As long as we're in our minds, in our heads, we are not
1: awake. It's like you're living. You're actually living.
2: Yeah. Y- yeah. You don't feel life. Yeah. Because we're we're like robots and zombies walking around, being controlled by our brains which is controlled by everything else around us. I think we have to live as alive beings, separate from what happens around us, separate from even what happens to us, you know? So yeah, that's kind of what I think about that.
0: What do you think, Timmy? You know, when I hear this idea of, let's start with balance, right? The way that you were talking about it, I would say that I do agree that it is more of an ebb and flow depending on what's going on in life. And that in certain times of your life, you need to, let's say, spend more of your energy or more of your focus needs to go in a certain direction. But I think the other piece of this is the awareness, right? Which is what we've been talking about being the linchpin when it comes to overcoming ego. I think that being aware of the fact that we have these tendencies within us, it allows us to be able to guard against them in a way that allows us to improve in an iterative way. Way. And what I mean by that is this let's say that you act in a way that's suboptimal or not in accordance with your highest ideals. And when you take the time to evaluate that experience, that's where the awareness comes in. That's where the learning becomes possible. I think that it's important to take that time to do that. But I think even more important than that, we need to seek out opportunities to then apply that as quickly as possible so that we can internalize it in a more robust way. For myself, I have a lot of ideas that I'm like, this could be very helpful to me if I actually applied this, but it's not until you actually put it into practice and see the outcomes that are associated with that, that we're really able to understand what that's actually about. And I think that one of the big things that, for myself, will be really relevant going forward as I seek to find different ways to incorporate the ideas of this book into my own life is that idea of perception that we were talking about earlier, because The stories, Christine, that you referenced earlier, that we make into or that we bake into our identity of who we are and what it is that we're here for and what our purpose is. I think that that is where we start to get sidetracked and we end up in a situation like you talked about, Uriel, where society as a whole is suffering from a lack of, I don't want to say maybe lack of purpose, but let's go with that, right? A lack of purpose in general, I would say, is quite pervasive in this life now where people feel like they don't have that direction. I think that part of it is that we have moved away from having religion be a central part of what people believe to be truth. We're really starting to get away from that. But for centuries, I would say even millennia, that was the guiding North Star, whereas now people are able to pursue truth in many other ways. And I think there's implications that are positive and negative. But what I will say is that whichever way you want to Pursue what you believe to be truth. I think that the critical thing that Eckhart really talked about is just having that awareness. And that awareness comes from, as you said, Christine, taking that time to look within, whether it's prayer, meditation, journaling, having conversations like this, right? I think that it's critical to be strategic in providing yourself with opportunities for that.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I just want to mention one really important word that comes up a lot in Eckhart's book is presence.
0: Mm.
2: Not just awareness, but but presence. so what he talks about is doing everything while you are present, so even if like say work is really busy and you know that whole ebb and flow and something is taking a lot of energy from you, doing it with presence is the most important thing, and that's part of the awakening is not just doing things mindlessly because then you're going to ru- actually run into a lot of errors. Because you're doing things based off of your ego. A lot of things that we say, that we do, how we react or respond is coming from a place of unawareness and not being present in that moment. He talks a lot about like when you show up, even in any sort of interaction with anybody, the biggest thing you can do is to show up present. How many times have we completed a task or done a job or had a conversation even with someone when we're not present and our minds are elsewhere, you know, and how easy is it to harm or mess up or make an error when we're not really present in that moment? And I think that's the most important thing. It's not just like not doing anything, not doing your job and doing it well, not showing up for others, not living in this world, but it's you're intentionally doing it, not just doing it out of habit. Right. And that's what I found, actually. um, To me, we had this conversation not too long ago about, like, you know, you you brought up suffering a lot. And part of my suffering, actually, was just my day-to-day living. You know, I was so unalive in my life that I almost dreaded living in my life. Nothing had meaning to it. And everything, like, getting up. Doing the laundry, taking the dog out, going to the gym, everything was like pulling teeth. It was like because I was just in my head all the time. But when I actually was doing something and I was in my body and I was actually present for it, and I never thought about the next task, I just thought about this is the only moment is now. I actually learned to enjoy life and it made life so much more bearable. And I think that was actually one of the biggest things that came out of this book for me was living in the present moment and not because we are missing our lives constantly when we're in our heads and thinking about the next thing that we have to do. We're missing out on life. We're not living it.
1: Yeah. And he touches a little bit on like being obsessed with thought Mm -hmm. and the ideas of things. And we keep kind of coming back to providing meaning to life. And as I was thinking about it, and you guys were talking, all I could think about also how that obsession to the thought that our lives have to have meaning. And it sounds crazy to say it out loud mm-hmm. when I'm saying, like, why should my life have meaning? And we look for almost this God-like meaning, I feel, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, that it should always have. I mean, there's a lot of things that contribute for our desire to have a life where perhaps we're adored, we're looked up to, or we're seen as a figure of influence. And I just want to bring it back down to the very basics, which he says to find the good in you and to let it emerge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the part where I'll agree with you, where I think that we are static in that. Because I think that individually, we all have like some really amazing Qualities as humans, just as a whole, as beings of this universe. I think fundamentally, as humans, you see another person hurt, like naturally, you want to go and help. You want to give them a hand. You want to care for them. I think it's very rare that we don't have static attributes that don't want us to actually help one another. And I will agree with those. And I, I also agree with the premise that you mentioned in regards to the brain and how that's ever changing. I agree with that. And that's the biggest challenge. A little bit that I add about what I'm thinking is just that we always have to change, at least for me, what we need to do in that balance so that we can get back to being ourselves, which is that static being that we should be. That brings us back to the moment and living and being in our bodies and presence, you know, providing presence to our life Yeah. and being mindful about our interactions and what that looks like. Because if we are to allow the goodness within us that really provide meaning to our lives, we have to be present in sort of almost, (laughs) I see ego as this, this person that needs love. This other internal me that needs a hug, that needs to tell them that they're good enough, that needs to tell them that I love them and I accept them for what they are and they don't have to continue to strive to be something that they're not. And I think that that's where that like good in me comes out. That's where like the true, that I think all of us, honestly, I do genuinely believe that all of us have, Mm -hmm. but we, as we said it before, we just get so lost and obsessed with these thoughts of what we should be, what's expected of us and how inferior we are if we don't choose to seek that glorification that is superficial human life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because you can't even have conversations like the one that we're currently having with people anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, I think that
0: to that point right there, that's really highlights what it is that we've strived to do by creating this space, right? Is to have an opportunity to explore honestly and authentically without that fear of judgment, right? And I think that even in this conversation here that each of us have shed pieces of ego, Right we've talked mm-hmm. openly about why this was important for us, right, and why this recommendation that Christine thank you this has been this has been great because not only have we had this opportunity to really cement and hash out why it is that this was of significance to us, but why it is that we're definitely gonna have to have more conversations about this, right? I think we kind of already knew going into it that this is there's a lot to it, right, mm-hmm. and so I guess. To bring part one to a close a question i want to ask you guys is in this next week what is something that you're going to seek to apply in terms of ego let's say ego identity or suffering within those three categories what is something that you're going to seek to apply or to do differently or to have more
1: intentionality around and why is that something that you think would be of value to you wow That's a a loaded question for sure. I mean, I feel like all the questions have been loaded. So many things I wish I could do differently. I don't know that I'll always get it right. I don't think I'll ever get it right, which is, I think, what excites me about life in general. I believe that I'm somebody, not because of my ego or what I identify with. I get bored when I'm not being challenged. I like solving complex challenges and looking deep into things to my detriment a lot of the time. It's not egotistical of of me to want to desire to know more. It's more so I want to be more in tune spiritually with myself. I believe in God, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I identify with any religion. I've had the pleasure of having the experience to experience different religions. Out of curiosity, other times it's been not out of choice when I was younger. And I've been able to experience how those people interact with the world as a result of that. And I just wanna really highlight how those experiences also changed how I was interacting with the world because I held those same beliefs. And to some degree, I also think, and I know for myself and the way that I perceived it is that people become obsessed with that. Hmm. And bringing it back to what you asked about me and what I, I'm i gonna choose to do for hopefully longer than you know the next week. But it's to stop becoming so obsessed with my thoughts and my idea of the world that I should be living in. And I want to just kind of add two takeaways that I've learned from you guys. Let's talk about really what you've been hammering down on us. And it's about that awareness and really, truly being aware of what is important. Not my feelings, not being right in arguments, not feeling like I'm superior or inferior to other people. And secondly, to tie those two together is what you said, Christine, that I think really resonates with me, is about allowing that static thing to really come out and to be present at all times. Yeah. But the only way that I can allow for that to happen is by being aware Mm -hmm. and not being obsessed with my thoughts and ideas of how the world should be.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine would probably be similar to yours, Uriel. Letting go of... Whether something is good or bad or should or shouldn't have happened this week. And just always reminding myself that it is, and actually recently my favorite quote for life has been, it is what it is. Yeah, You know, I took that with me in Mexico for the two weeks that we were just there. A lot of things didn't go our way. And what kept me really out of this anger spiral is this mantra of it is what it is. And it's neither good nor bad. It just is. It
0: just is. I knew that. I knew that that's what you were going to say. Yeah. For myself, it's going to be stillness because I think that my mind, it moves far more quickly than is probably good. I would say, especially when something that I find to be unexpected or unpleasant happens. And immediately I start jumping to conclusions about. Why this is not how it should be, and what I'm going to do to make it the way that I it, I believe it should be. And I think that the awareness piece is key, which is why I've kept bringing it up. But Christine, you're really spot on. That presence is what is required to create the space for that awareness. If we're so in our heads all the time, there's no possible way that you're going to have a moment to be still enough to understand what's going on. So that's the biggest one for me, and so. It's been a dope conversation so mm-hmm. far. This, yeah, is, this is what I expected. And yeah. it's been nice to kind of explore this with you guys. And Christine, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's, thank been, you. it's been on point to thank say the you. very least well thank yeah. you for
2: having me it was a really fun conversation and i you guys know me very well and you yeah. know that i love to have these conversations and we could probably have a conversation for three days straight yeah. <laughs> without <laughs> taking a break so not exactly, not. Right? tons to talk about
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah we'll we'll be asking you to come back so we can continue this awesome. soon and very soon because there's just so much more that oh, totally so talks much. about absolutely so well i'm excited stay tuned absolutely thanks everyone for listening we appreciate your continued support thank you for listening Have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the podcast wherever it is that you like listening to podcasts. We out here everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. And if you're interested in seeing the video podcast version of this conversation, be sure to check out the Enlightened Awakening YouTube channel. As always, take care and stay blessed.